0: Mike Cybert Radio is an independent podcast. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host and the guests only and do not necessarily reflect those of any broadcasters that any of us either have been, am now, or will be affiliated with. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I am at Mike Seibert Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and write into the mailbag, Mike Radio at gmail.com. This is the podcast radio show where I talk about stuff and things that are on my mind every week. And on this week's show, just like every other podcast ever, it's all about Avengers Infinity War. Now, I um I, I usually do these types of deep dive shows with guests, right? Um and I'll probably come back around and do more at some point maybe uh with a guest or two. Um uh but much like so many of you who watched it this weekend, I uh I left the theater with the overwhelming feeling that there's a lot to unpack here, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna run through the plot, uh, give some hot takes, and see if I can sort out just how I feel about this movie here with you. Plus, there are some exciting things coming up soon from friends of the show that I don't want to miss the opportunity to talk about. All of that and more on this all new episode of Mike Cyber Radio. But first, I need to back the truck up. <coughs> So, uh, a couple weeks ago, I talked about how Lucky caught a home-run baseball at a Mariners game uh, on her father's birthday. Well, um, as as it turns out, I don't know how to read a calendar. Uh, I I kept incorrectly referring to that day as April 12th, which was a Thursday. Uh, Ivan's birthday was on April 14th, which was a Saturday, which is when we went to that game. Um, I I had a few people mention that. That to me on Facebook, so I just wanted to clarify. Um, maybe I just wrote it down or something. I I I don't know. Um, also, though, um, interesting postscript to that story. It uh it looks like Lucky just might be able to get that autograph after all. Um, so as as I mentioned uh, previously, uh, uh, Mariners rookie Daniel Vogelback uh, uh crushed a 433 uh, foot home run into the sweet. Level bounced it off of the hit it here cafe sign um, into uh, uh Lucky's uh, uh waiting hands on her dad's birthday and it and it was great and it was fun um and we we've reached out to the Mariners organization and haven't heard anything about trying to uh make some kind of arrangements to you know maybe get the uh, uh the ball autographed turns out that uh because of like some uh, uh, roster moves uh Dan Vogelback is now with. Triple uh, A Tacoma Rainiers, kind of the uh, uh, Cactus League team for the uh, for the Seattle Mariners, uh, which is stupid close to us. We've been to a number of Rainiers game. It's it's uh, it's always fun. So we're uh, we're going to see if we could actually catch him there at a Rainiers game and see if um, see if we can get that uh, that baseball autographed uh, after all. Um, all right, let's uh, let's kick off the show in our traditional fashion with some overdue shout out. I want to thank everybody that made it out to the Black Bear Diner last Tuesday uh, for the benefit event for Federal Way Coalition Against Trafficking. It was a great turnout, and I appreciate everybody that took the time to drop by. Um, I also want to thank guest co-host Killing Spree for joining me last week to talk about Death Wish, Pacific Rim, Uprising, and of course, Rampage! All from the KGRG studios. That was a whole lot of fun. Uh one of our rowdier episodes. Uh we didn't necessarily agree uh on uh, everything, especially on the on death wish. But um and and I again want to shout out KGRG for hosting us um and also to thank station management for not calling the authorities when I thought it would be a good idea to use the women's restroom at the radio station. And it was awkward for everyone! Uh, Those drops are all killing spree, by the way. He keeps sending them to me on Twitter, um, so I've got an obligation to use them here, right? Um, Anyhow, check out KGRG.com for what's new with today's rock, as well as KGRG1.com for your classic alternative, and GreenRiver.edu to register for classes at Green River College to be a part of it all and to be on air making your own shows in two weeks. I also need to thank Aaron, Ryan, and Caleb, the Autopod Decepticast, for having me on their show. Episode 58 is available now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn, and their web presence. I love web presence. Uh, AutopodDecepticast.com. It's your minute by minute breakdown of 1986's Transformers the movie, which we all know is uh, the only Transformers movie, right? Um, Anyhow, we talked about minute 57 of the movie, which includes. The Death of Ultra Magnus and more and they turned the tables back on me in a really really fun interview Um, I'm still blown away by how deep Aaron went into the uh, Mike Seibert Radio archives uh, asking me about uh, stuff I said on shows last year um, I think in some cases Um, in in fact though if, um, uh, if you go back and listen to episode 150 of Mike Seibert Radio here and then go and listen to episode Fifty-eight of the Autopod Decepticast. It uh, actually makes for a pretty cool uh, podcast crossover show, and I uh, I I I take my hat off. And I especially want to compliment Ryan on his editing job. Um, he uh, he found a way to make me sound less like a uh, rambling knucklehead, and uh, and made that episode sound really sharp. Uh, a really good editing job. Um, speaking of editing, uh, before I get too much further. I I want to share with you a short, deleted slice of audio uh, from episode 150 that I was just talking about. My interview with the guys from the Autopod Decepticast in a new segment called Raised from the Cutting Room Floor.
1: Right from your grave.
0: But which version of the movie are you watching for uh, for the podcast?
1: I don't know, actually. I, the version that I, so I own a couple of versions. I think I own the 20th and the 30th anniversary that you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. I think maybe it's, but I think I had also, I also had a, sorry, everybody, like an old ripped copy (laughs) from the internet that was just on my hard drive. (laughs) And so because it's convenient and it's on my hard drive, that's the version I'm watching. So um, uh, that's, I don't know. Yeah, that's, I, that's I, the I, clock. That's the clock. That's the clock. Right? Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, this is actually kind of topical. This is Ryan um, because uh, Aaron burned me a copy onto a USB drive that I've been watching, sure. and it's the basically it starts with the D- uh, De Laurentiis uh, logo, and then it goes right into the movie. But that does not appear to exist in any other form because I broke the USB the other week. And so tried to use my DVD to play it. Uh And it's like, Oh, well this is 17 seconds off of what we're watching. So then I bought it off of YouTube, the HD version. And, um, Oh, well this one is 21 seconds off. So I had to do mo- I like had to oh do subtraction to figure out where we
0: were in the minute. Oh, that's so. that's crazy because so okay, so like Ryan, you're saying the one you had on USB went straight from the DEG logo to Unicron coming around the nebula, didn't have like yes. like the Marvel Sunbow or anything like that? Oh, um, that, I, I think it does. It, may, does. it might, but okay. it might.
1: But that's it. Like, there's no that's nothing it. ancillary to it. It's only those the logos, and then right into the movie. I thought that's. I mean, maybe that's just because it's what I've been watching. But I thought. That's yeah, every movie. other version I've seen has has something else at the has top it, of it. Yeah. Oh, okay, so, yeah, yeah. the one you, well, the one we're watching is it's not available for anyone. Okay, <laughs> so, but, very yeah, good. And, and just, I'd like to also reiterate <laughs> before we get uh, sued for copyright infringement that uh, that we all have copies of the movie. Yeah, it's a sheer factor of convenience. Multiple. We have this random on hard drive version.
0: (laughs) Follow the money inside job. (laughs) Pre bono. Bono. (laughs) That's right. Damn it. I, uh, I, I originally trimmed that piece for time. Um, and, and I wasn't actually quite sure how incriminating that all sounded. Uh, but it, but it turns out that Ryan and Aaron were talking about that same thing, uh, during a recent episode of their show. So I thought it appropriate to share with you now for uh continuity sake. And, uh, and you know what it's, it, Editing is a is a weird thing, and any of my uh, uh, podcasting peeps and anybody that's done a of audio editing definitely knows this feel. But it was like it was one of those things where where I felt a little unsure about it. Um, and so I, I, I trimmed that bit. It sounds a lot different in the, in the uh, final episode. But I even remember at the time uh, uh, regretting the loss of that, um, uh, that Alex Jones InfoWars uh, relate. Uh, just, uh, just listening to that now where, where Ryan and I are both saying a pre-bono at the end uh, uh, cracked me up. So I, anyway, I was, uh, I, I was really glad to uh, restore that uh, for you here now. Um, I also want to give a shout out to my buddy Eric Mannix, uh, formerly of the Out of the Fridge podcast and soon to be launching his own new show this fall called Independent Focus Podcast, which it's uh, kind of in the name. Uh, but it focuses on independent and self-published comics. Uh, he's also a, uh, a really good photographer. He's got a lot of his uh, uh work online. Um, anyhow, uh, he was he was a guest during episode number four of the review show with the Whatnots, and they uh they talked about the original Marvel Infinity Gauntlet comic series. Uh, you know, to get hyped for Avengers Infinity War, uh, which I'll be talking about in uh in just a uh, just a minute. Um, that. Uh, that was a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, maybe uh, maybe Mannix will join us on this show at some point. We uh, we keep flirting, but can't quite seem to get it on the books. So uh, uh, so we'll see. Um, also, if you're a fan of The Office, he's uh, he's been doing commentary shows on Facebook Live with unpaid intern Jess that uh, that, that cracked me up too. Uh, that you might dig. Got a bunch of Follow Friday and other shout-outs from Twitter this week, um, including the Countdown PC. Uh, Wayne is back from his uh, uh, hip surgery. Um, it was uh, it was fun listening to those uh, the other hosts on the Substitute show, but uh, nothing beats the original. So uh, glad to hear Wayne back on the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast. Um, other Follow Fridays, uh, the uh, uh, Movie Mayhem podcast. Invasion of the Remake, J360 Productions, Drinks with Larry, The Cutaways Podcast, The Geekdom Fancast... Earth 1919 podcast I'll talk more about them later in the show uh, Something uh, something really Cool coming up with that podcast And a, uh, a special shout out That I'd like to give out but I I Don't think I can because I don't know if they've Announced it on their show or not So I don't want to squish toes we're just, just Teasing here uh, forget you heard All of that um, sharp the Podcast Nick and Vince's podcast uh, The podcast Factor the Robin Slim show The babe and the bro uh Sean at Serge Bomba and big nerdy questions and uh, mixed media fours and uh, that was an on air shout out and I uh I, I want to give bonus points for pronunciation there as well uh, uh definitely shows they're paying attention and, uh, and they run into the same problem with the media fours uh as uh, as well on the pronunciation side and, uh, and finally, uh, from the Thursday Ketchup podcast at Thursday Ketchup, uh, they write, at Mike Seibert Radio will be the surprise 50th entrant in the greatest Royal Rumble. Hashtag retweet shout out. Um... I I still don't understand Thursday catch-ups, retweet shout-outs, but that's okay. Um, And uh, thanks to everybody that likes, retweets, and shares my stuff. Uh, You can get a hold of me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Mike Radio, or you can email me MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com, and again, that spelling is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. I I am not the Mars Rover guy, but if you, uh, I think even if you type it in uh, whatever way, as long as you have like radio in there it should come up on your uh uh, google searches coming up next i'm going to try to unpack avengers infinity war and later it's coming attractions where i talk about cool stuff coming up from friends of the show and more but for now let's set the stage and talk about the movie that's on everybody's mind You're listening to Mike's Hybert Radio.
1: There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people
0: to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us,
1: we could fight the battles. That they never could. In
0: time, you will know what it's like to lose, to feel so desperately that you're right, yet to fail all the same. Run from it. Destiny still arrives. Evacuate the city. Engage our defenses. And get this man a shield. one considers from balancing the universe but this (laughs)
1: does put a smile on my face
0: Nineteen movies. 10 years, destiny has arrived. Avengers Infinity War is in theaters. And um, a couple things that that I wanted to talk about before I uh, uh, got too terribly far. As of this recording, it has grossed over $640 million worldwide, making it the second highest grossing film of 2018. Uh, I, I wonder what uh, that the first one is. Oh yeah, that being Black Panther, that just came out in February, and I think is technically uh, still in its theatrical run because, like, uh, I-, I was looking for movies to watch this week, um, and uh, and I saw that Black Panther is still in a few different theaters. But uh, I-, I tell you, man, revisiting that first teaser trailer does get me pumped, and that uh, that Alan Silvestri score, that that Avengers theme. I know uh, uh, when I've done shows with Killing Spree in the past, we've talked about. Uh, Uh, Movie scores, and we kind of lamented that there aren't really any iconic uh, uh, movie themes anymore. It's more like the Hans Zimmer just, you know, just just overbearing horn blasts, and there really aren't any iconic themes. And one of the things that I had posited at the time, like with you know the March of the Raiders or the Batman theme um, or uh, uh, John Williams Superman theme, that you know they're all marches, and I, um, I, it wasn't until watching, uh, you know, like the trailers and ultimately, uh, seeing Avengers Infinity War that I really kind of had an appreciation for, uh, uh this, uh, this Alan Silvestri theme. And it, I, I think maybe it's just like with the key change and slowed down and all that, that, it, that it really kind of stuck with me. But, um, anyway, I, um, um, I, I just want to let you know before I get too much further that um, anything that I say from this point forward is going to be full spoilers. I know a lot of podcasts are doing kind of like, you know, trying to have it both ways. They'll do like a non-spoiler review and then a spoiler review. And quite frankly, I'm just not that smart or organized. Um, so what I'm going to do with, uh, with the Wikipedia page as, uh, as my guide, I'm just going to go through the plot, uh give my opinions and talk about things. So everything again from this uh point forward will be full spoilers. And in fact, if we're going to do this, let's do this right. Let's get a uh spoiler warning from my man Killing spree. Fucking spoilers. <laughs> do that one more time. That was awesome. Fucking spoilers. And and again, no uh no further warnings will be given. So, um uh, so I I was talking about the uh, box office earlier and um it's a uh, in its opening weekend you know as as of this recording it's gross 641 million dollars worldwide and 258 million dollars in the United States and Canada uh the sequel is set to be released on May 3rd 2019 and i think that's as good of a place i'd like to start as any because i th- i um I liked the movie. I didn't love it. It's uh it's not my favorite Marvel movie, but it's, you know, if I if I were to do a ranking, which I haven't done for here because I just uh, again, like I I was going to do something else on the podcast this week, but I I felt so uh uh wound up uh not all that dissimilar to when I saw Star Wars The Last Jedi uh to where it's like I I I wasn't going to wait for schedules to line up with hosts um I wasn't necessarily going to do a lot of deep dive research and find all the easter eggs so this is just hot hot takes um again I liked it didn't love it, and uh, the thing that that set me off, jumping all the way to the end of the movie, is that it ends on a cliffhanger. It's um it needs to have a placard that says to be continued at the end of it. And I I was frustrated by that, not because I, uh, I dislike a cliffhanger ending or even a, a gloomy uh, or down note cliffhanger ending. I have no problem with that. But tell me that that's what you're doing up front. Or failing that, don't lie to me about what, these movies are going to be, because remember, once upon a time, uh, a couple few years ago, when they announced that the uh, uh, last two Avengers movies were going to be uh, the Infinity War, remember this, it was a, uh, it was going to be Avengers Infinity War part one released in 2018, and then Avengers Infinity War Part Two, which would be released in 2019. And that was all fine and good, made sense. It's such an epic storyline, bringing together uh, a couple dozen characters from uh, 19 different movies into one uh, epic cinematic experience. Of course, you want to break it into two movies. It only makes sense. And it really kind of sets it up for knowing that there's going to be A uh, thrilling cliffhanger ending. So I was ready for that. Then they changed it. So it was it was announced that Infinity War was going to change and be told in one movie. And that's what it was said. It was like, this is going to be a one one shot, one movie thing. We're going to tell the story in one movie and that, uh, what was once infinity war part two is now untitled Avengers four. And that is going to be a completely separate movie that is going to kind of close the door on this, uh, uh, not phase, but kind of like this, uh, this, uh, um, incarnation of the Marvel cinematic universe as we know it, because, you know, as we know, contracts are up, uh, Uh, people are getting older, want to focus on other projects. It all makes sense because, you know, these people can't be these characters forever. We we can't expect that. Um, So, yeah. So Avengers four was to bring some degree of uh, finality to that. But that's what I'm upset about. I, I feel like I was duped and lied to that. This part one, part two thing is like, no, this is two separate movies. Well, no, it's not. It's not because the way Infinity War ends it's it I, I i was uh i was joking at the time that uh this movie needs to end with a uh mid-credit sequence or a post-credit sequence besides the one that we got that I'll, that I'll talk about when i get there but one where where doc brown is in the old west and marty has to come rescue him and stuff you know basically the 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 back to the future three setup or failing that uh you know kind of like the the uh matrix revolution slash reloaded type of thing where the post-credit scene for or Matrix Reloaded was more or less kind of a a, uh, a preview, a trailer for the uh, uh, for the third uh, and concluding um, uh, thing of the Matrix. And you know, even with a uh, with a uh, uh, Captain America: The First Avenger, when that came out, uh, that that post credit scene it basically walks right up. To uh, the Avengers, you know, and even it's it's funny. It actually has like a preview where there's anyway. I, I'm I, I'm getting too far left of field already. Um, but I don't I don't know. It just it just that that really just kind of bothered me that it is indeed two movies broken into two with a cliffhanger ending. Um I do want to talk about my theater going experience though because we uh uh my wife and I and a couple friends had the opportunity to see it Thursday night. Uh we we hadn't initially planned on that. We hadn't planned ahead, but um we uh we got some tickets and we were uh, really excited for that. So it, it's interesting to see a movie. I I haven't in as long as I can remember, probably in like the uh, totality of the time that that my wife and I have been together. I don't think we've gone to like a uh, kind of like a, a preview uh, premiere night showing like we've seen movies ahead of time. Like we saw uh, 12 Strong a couple weeks before it came out, um, you know, uh, courtesy of the the radio station I work for and i also remember we we got to see uh captain america the winter soldier uh because i had uh, uh won some tickets uh, again through a radio station um and actually l- let me stop there because uh it- it's weird how how things do kind of come full circle because uh, uh, 4 years ago, um as I mentioned, I won tickets to a uh advanced preview showing. Uh this was uh, again like maybe like a week or so before the movie came out um of uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Um, from a radio station, it was a uh, you know uh, call in, do a contest, um, and 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 I won the tickets. And but now, flash forward to four years later, I'm working at a commercial radio station, and the week Avengers: Infinity War came out, the station I was working at was giving away tickets to Infinity War, and it was it was just kind of like th- this weird. Um, uh, full circle experience where, like, I'm on the phone talking to a ticket winner. I'm, you know, I wasn't the host of the show, obviously, but but I I played some Avengers theme music that I was talking about earlier. Um, and I talked to the winner on the phone and processed them out in the in the system. So I just I just thought it was this uh this cool kind of uh uh, convergence uh, type of deal. But uh, but I digress. We we saw the movie on uh, Thursday. And the first thing that made the hair on my arm stand up, uh, not unlike Spider-Man's coming up, but uh, was the Marvel Studios logo. And I I don't know about you, uh, but I think it's gotten too long and intricate. Like, you know, I, I watch cinema sins on YouTube and it's always like 42 seconds of logos. And the, the, uh, um, I, I think the Marvel studios logo opening crawl has just gotten way too long, way too much animation. I don't need all of that. I, uh, I, I appreciated the subtlety, um, going all the way back to iron man where it was, you know, the familiar, uh, flipping comic book pages, the, the, Red Screen um, and then just Marvel. And then what they did to make Marvel Studios distinctive was it was this this uh, the block Marvel letters and then studios just dropped out from underneath it. And I remember seeing that when I saw Iron Man in 2008. That little touch just really i i, I, I just thought it was—it was really cool. Now I'm—I'm a weirdo. I've—I've I've got this thing where I—I uh, I appreciate and enjoy uh, uh, introductions and and opening credit scenes and things like that. I always have since I since I was a kid. Um, Anyway, I just, I, I, just thought that was really cool. So the, the, uh, uh, new Marvel Studios, uh, uh sequence comes out, and after it shows Marvel Studios, the screen goes black. And the letters in uh, the I and the O turn red, you know, obviously uh, celebrating 10 years of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Marvel Studios. And I just I I grinned and I chuckled at that, you know, for um, and th- that 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 just that little subtle thing of showing the, uh, the highlighting the 10 reminded me of the deftness and subtlety of just, uh, studios, uh, dropping down from the Marvel logo, uh, uh, all the way back in Iron Man. So I, 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 just, I, I don't know. I, I really, I really enjoyed that. So, um, so, so the movie opens, uh, basically where the post credit scene from Thor Ragnarok uh, uh, kind of leaves off. You know, uh, uh, Thanos has uh, overtaken the Asgardian ship. Um, having previously acquired the Power Stone from the planet Xandar, I, I'm reading from Wikipedia, uh, by the way, uh, Thanos and his henchmen, Cole, Obsidian, Ebony Ma, Proxima Midnight, and Corvus Glaive uh, intercept the ship carrying the survivors of Asgard's destruction. Now, okay, I'm at a spot now in my comics reading where um, I I used to know a thing or two about a thing or two uh, with regards to the Marvel comics, like, um, but but my reading has kind of tapered off in the last uh, uh several years i have no idea who these screwballs are and this is a this is a good example of once you jump off the bus the bus will leave without you so i i'm finding that more and more like i found that watching black panther and i found it uh watching avengers infinity war that that yeah the the comic storyline is adding these new spokes to the wheel that I have no idea about these. uh, I, I guess these are Thanos's children or something like that. I, I, I don't know. Um, but, but they're, but they're kind of neat. Um, but I, uh, I, I, I have like no, uh, awareness of, uh, how these characters are portrayed in the comics. Um, so I'm just kind of meeting them here for the first time along with, uh, uh along with you. um, it's kind of an interesting choice that it just kind of jumps into the action. I like that. But yet, I. I- I got like the weird feeling, especially as the sequence uh, continues that like, there's, there's a whole nother 20 minute sequence that this movie kind of needs. It's like, I mean, it's really just kind of brushed off in dialogue. Like, you know, uh, Thanos already has the infinity gauntlet and he's already got one of the stones, which again, we, we know is the power stone that he got from Xandar. So does that mean the Nova core is gone? Does that mean what, I mean, what does that mean? Is Gleng, close and and uh John C Riley are they are are they toast now I I don't know um but but I I think it's it, it's kind of again it's it, it's a double-sided choice in that you know you want to start the movie right off with the action which it totally does but it it kind of I I don't know it, it's kind of janky it's like well Well, where's the where's the rest of the beginning of the movie? Um, But anyway, uh, Thor, Loki, Heimdall and Hulk are powerless to prevent them from extracting the space stone from the Tesseract as uh, Thor is imprisoned and Thanos overpowers Hulk. Heimdall sends Hulk to Earth using the Bifrost before being killed. Um and yeah so that that's the first uh death we see in the movie uh RIP Idris Elba and I'm going to talk a lot more about uh death and what it means in the Marvel universe. I mean that's one of been the the biggest criticism, right? It's like, you know, nobody gets crossed off, everybody ends up being okay and we've been promised, you know, that uh that you know in, in Infinity War we're going to see some death and it's going to count. Um, and it's, it's a weird move that you start with, uh, with, uh, Heimdall, uh, with, uh, with Edris Elba, but then, then we start to get some stakes because, uh, Thanos kills Loki and then departs with his henchmen and blows up the ship. So a couple things here. I thought that it was a cool move. Uh, crossing off Loki right off the bat because I mean that that's been the thing we've all been saying is that you know Loki Loki needs to die. It's you know um, he's he's had his time and it's time to go. Now I think we all thought it was going to be more of a heroic death, uh, but this is what we got. And I think what this is trying to do is establish stakes early, which is cool. Um, and it it was kind of brutal. You see, you see his eyes bugging out and you hear his neck get crunched and all that stuff. Um, um so that, that's what it's there for. It's like, you know, you take like arguably one of the most beloved characters in all of these movies and cross them off, uh, immediately, uh, to establish some stakes. Um, and, and then of course, uh, Thanos blows up the ship. Uh, um, I don't know if we're led to believe that all of the Asgardians are dead at this point, because in Thor Ragnarok, obviously, they escaped the destruction of Asgard. And basically, the the refugees on this ship uh, are kind of like the last refugees of Asgard as they as they head uh, their way towards Earth. And... um, so many questions here. It's like, can, I mean, we see that Thor survives in space, but, um, but does anybody else? Um, it, it's kind of tough to tell, uh, kind of like the power set on the Asgardians. It's like they, I mean, they can obviously be killed as we've, we've seen in a handful of other movies already. Um, Thor can live in space, but, um, I don't know. Is, uh, is Valkyrie okay? uh because she was on that ship along with everybody else and you don't see her again so it that's that's kind of like a weird Uh, a loose thread. Um, uh, From there, the Hulk crash lands in New York City, uh, crashing through the uh, uh, window of the Sanctum Sanctorum, uh, uh, shrinking back into puny Bruce Banner. He warns Doctor Strange and Wong that uh, Thanos plans to kill half of life in the universe. Um, In response, Doctor Strange goes and recruits uh, Tony Stark. Um... So you you get a uh, cameo from Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts, which is which is totally fine, uh, and and I see that they're kind of trying to propel that story a little bit. You know, like Tony is talking about, you know, uh, they're they're about to get married. He's talking about having kids, uh, which is fine. But then uh, you know, uh, Doctor Strange and and Bruce Banner and Wong show up, and and I don't know. It was weird, like with as quippy as uh as tony was being it was like you know it, it was the first seeds of me thinking you know what i'm kind of over this i i'm kind of over the the will they won't they dynamic between uh, uh tony and pepper um and i don't know they they so one of the things that the uh, Tony Stark Iron Man has is apparently he's he's regrafted something to his chest um, to to make the Iron Man come out. And um, I, I'm I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I, I think one of my biggest gripes with this movie is, well, quite frankly, uh, the portrayal of Iron Man, I think. I think as charming and as funny as Robert Downey Jr. is, I think he's been doing it maybe one or two movies too long, and I think it's time to let it go. And I, I've uh, I I got I got a couple things that that I want to point to here. One, so one he's he's just running around in this tracksuit, you know, pretty much the whole movie, whether whether he's Iron Man or not. Um, I I thought, you know, and again this is kind of screw your fan theories, but I thought that the kind of more nanotech bleeding edge armor was going to come from uh, Shuri in uh in Wakanda. Um uh, but no, it's it's just it's just another chest appliance that that he's made. And um I I hate the Iron Man suit. Um I I I think it looks um I think it looks cheap. I think it's way too powerful and it's um, it it reminded me of a Michael Keaton Batman suit. The thing doesn't look like it's made out of metal. It doesn't look like a armored suit. It again it just it just looks like a latex um, suit and half of the time I can't tell if Robert Downey Jr. is actually wearing that thing or not and that's. You know, kind of I think one of my uh, uh, challenges with him in this role is that, you know, we've seen over time he's wearing the suit less and less. And, you know, there's a um, there's a whole lot of masked. Characters running around with no masks on. I mean, very rarely do we see Iron Man with his helmet on. Um, you know, uh, Spider Man runs around uh, with his mask off for half of the movie. Uh, Captain America doesn't even have his mask. Um, so yeah, we're 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 seeing a lot of masked superheroes with no masks, and that that kind of bugs me because that that was the thing. Like when the MCU started, it was. Um, It was really, you know what, we're putting these characters in the costumes and letting them be the characters from the books, you know, regardless of, uh, you know, the actors we have to portray them. Because I I remember this, you know, even like, you know, before the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, they were were like, well, why would we hire an actor, um, a big name actor, just to put them in a mask? And... And really in this more contemporary era of Marvel movies, you know, we've 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 seen them not shy away from that. But that, that was one of the things that really bugged me about this movie is we're we're seeing characters run around with no masks on and um, uh so anyway, the, the, you know, the two goons show up, they want to take the time stone from Dr. Strange, uh, uh, Spider-Man gets drawn into the battle, which actually I, I like this sequence, um, where, um you know, where, where his, uh, uh, his buddy Gonke, I mean, uh, Ned Leeds, whatever, um, uh, fans of the, the ultimate comic Spider-Man will Get that joke, um, but anyway, he causes a distraction, gets the other kids to look out on the other side of the bus. Really funny. You get a uh, really fun Stanley cameo. Um, you know what? You haven't seen a spaceship before, which again I I think is cool because you you do that early on in the movie, right? Before you know, before it starts getting too heavy, um, too thick, and you just cross it off the board. That way, um, you know you're not waiting for it. You're not anticipated. For it, and you're not distracted by it. So, um, and again, as far as Stan Lee cameos, uh, pretty okay. I was, I was fine with that. Um, but then, yeah, so, so Spider Man shows up, and it's, it's, it's kind of a cool fight. I, I liked um, uh, you know, Spider-Man, Iron Man, and, uh, uh, Dr. Strange working together. You know, that that's one thing that you do get in this movie is you get like these cool combinations. Um, and, uh, and, and that's kind of neat, but then, um, but then, then we're going off and almost immediately start splitting up. And that's, um, that's another one of my problems, uh, with the movie and and there's no other way around it when you have a cast of uh two dozen superheroes you got to figure out a way to give them their due. And the way you do that is you split them up and let them have side quests. Um, there, there was a few times during this movie that I felt like we were on the casino planet from star Wars, the last Jedi where like, you know, like, uh, like, uh, you know, Thor's side quest with Groot and rocket. It's like, I mean, we're, we're going to a casino planet basically, but, um, So, yeah, so uh, Spider-Man and Iron Man go off into space uh, along with uh, Doctor Strange, who's been uh, uh, kidnapped, uh, leaving a banner to pick up uh, Tony Stark's flip phone uh, with with a number two contact, uh, Steve Rogers. Um, from there, we pick up in Scotland, where uh, two more of the goons uh, ambush the Scarlet Witch and the Vision, who is looking uh, more and more like Paul Bettany. And like I said, you know, you've got characters without masks. So, you know, uh, Paul Bettany, when he showed up as the Vision in Avengers Age of Ultron, I, I, I kind of complimented him because it's like, hey, you know, good for you for wearing all that purple makeup and that ridiculous outfit uh but yeah for for pretty much a lot of this uh sequence he's just being paul Bettany with a with a glowing yellow thing in his forehead um but then, you know, uh, we, we get, we get one of our, one of our cool fuck yeah moments in this movie. And I, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, I saw folks posting on, uh, uh, Facebook, how like people actually cheered, uh, during this moment. And I kinda, I didn't actually cheer or clap, but I did kind of audibly gasp and wave my hands as if to wave away the tears, uh, when, uh, when Steve Rogers and black widow and, uh, Sam Wilson, the Falcon, uh, Show up to rescue them. And um and again, it's it's not a bad fight, but again, we're kind of doing this thing where we're in these in these little groups. Um they go uh to the new Avengers facility, which is being run by Rhodey um, again played by uh Don Cheadle, uh who uh who apparently uh skipped neck day. I d I don't know what's up with Don Cheadle in this movie, but he he looks um very skinny and very small especially like in his neck it's like it, it just it, it bugged me, and um, I don't want want to go too much on this weird tangent, but I've seen that before, like where like people will um, like lose weight, and you can you can see it in their neck where it gets kind of like like scary skinny, and uh, you know, anytime I saw War Machine on the screen, I was like, "You okay, buddy?" And, and of course, he's running around with like the these uh, you know glowing light uh, stirrup pants, uh, suspender overall things that that. Uh, apparently, uh, cures a broken back, um, but whatever. Um, you know, so, so they're talking about what to do. Um, you get kind of like a, a, uh, delightfully awkward, uh, reunion between, uh, Bruce Banner and, and, uh, Black Widow. Um, uh, that was pretty cute. I like that. Um, and basically, Vision offers to sacrifice himself by having, uh, the Scarlet Witch. Uh, destroy the Mind Stone in his head uh, to keep Thanos from retrieving it, um, and then from there, uh, Steve Rogers, no longer Captain America. It, it's so funny because like th- this is this is one of those things. I thought like they were going to call him Nomad or something like that, but everybody's just calling him Captain. So I don't I don't I, I don't know if he's just the Captain. Uh, shout out to the uh, uh, the old comics there, and and actually, what while, while I'm talking about uh, Rogers for a sec, I uh, um, wh- one of one of the Easter eggy things that I that I really liked is okay. So obviously, he has the same costume as he did at the end of Captain America: Civil War, except that he's stripped off all of the Avengers Indica and the giant star on on his chest and all that. But if you look closely around, like his chest and shoulders, it's ripped in spots. Um, uh, presumably from two years of uh, being on the run and having other adventures that that we haven't heard or seen about but um but no it, underneath you can kind of see uh scales uh which is uh definitely a nod to his um original costume from the comics where basically the the chest part chest and shoulders is um basically chain mail and it was always kind of uh drawn as you know just a, a scallop scale so I, I i thought i thought that was a really neat um uh nod there um and and since I'm since I'm talking about this uh this particular side group, I don't understand why Black Widow is blonde. There's uh there's I mean, other than maybe Scarlett Johansson just uh didn't want to wear a red wig again or dye her hair red again. Um and and to me, I think and and I may be cynical here. I think this falls into the characters not wearing masks type of thing. I mean, it sounds dumb. It's a hair color, but but I think that's that's as much of a statement as it is Robert Downey Jr. running around in a tracksuit for most of the movie. Um, so I I don't know. It, it it bugged me. I would have liked some kind of explanation, and I don't understand why it's there. It's it it's distracting. It would have been fine if it served the story. You know, uh, maybe she's trying to be undercover or whatever, but I don't know. It's it's and uh, and and you know, not not to be not to be a a sleaze bag perv, but she's uh, you can tell that that her uh, costume is a more um, uh, how should we say relaxed. You know, as opposed to the more uh, form-fitting uh, suit that that's been uh, portrayed in other movies. And again, I got—I I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but it—it just—it looks odd in contrast to uh, her portrayal in the other in the other movies and uh, and why does she have an electro staff you no know, who knows it, again a lot of stuff not explained here um but it but it's a big giant movie and i guess we got to uh, uh keep moving um so they uh, so they go to wakanda so we pick up with the guardians of the galaxy as they respond to a distress call from the asgardian ship and rescue thor now at this point i got to thinking how convoluted this all is i mean like i said i i did How the Russos are able to, for the most part, incorporate all of these disparate characters together, you know, across from 18 other movies. Uh, But I... I don't know about you but there there were a whole lot of people at our screening that hadn't seen all of the other movies and in some cases none of the other movies which I that's a whole another another thing to try to unpack um how how you come into something you know 18 movies deep and and expect to not be hopelessly hopelessly lost but um uh but I do think that one of the strengths in this uh in the screenplay is how it introduces the characters quickly and you immediately know what their deal is like uh, like for example when the guardians roll in uh, in their spaceship bebop into the rubber band man by the spinners and and it um it, it actually cracks me up that uh that scene where thor splats against the uh, uh, the windshield of the guardian ship uh, that got spoiled for me like a year ago um, if I remember correctly, there was like some, uh, preview footage shown at some like Disney convention or, or some such like that. And I, uh, I, I remember, of uh, uh, misremembering it in like, it was, uh, what was said at the time. It's like the, the infinity war footage spoils Thor Ragnarok. And then I kind of forgot about it and saw Thor Ragnarok and. And I remember the description of this uh, scene where Thor, uh, 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 you know, crashes into the Guardians and that's how they kind of connect and all that. So I um, I started doing this weird Mandela effect thing where I'm like misremembering stuff and misplacing things where I kind of mistook it for something that would be a part of the post-credit scene for Thor Ragnarok. And it just, it, and obviously that doesn't happen because it's just Thanos's ship. Shows up, um, but anyway, that that still cracked me up. It was like one of those things where it was spoiled for me like a year ago, and I kind of sort of forgot about. Uh, uh, cool, uh, cool scene though. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, but again, that raises the question: Are any of the other Asgardians that are floating around there? Like, oh, I don't know, Valkyrie. Um, are are these people just kind of floating in space, or what? Uh, uh, what's going on there? Are they just all super dead? Um, anyway, uh, Thor surmises. Thanos seeks the reality stone uh which is in the possession of the collector at nowhere and this uh this sequence i think is um this is the best acting chris hemsworth has done uh with the character of thor uh to date um it it's got everything you want from thor you know it's it's like you know the overconfidence the bravado but as he's describing things there's also like that that sadness the loss um a lot of pathos there it's all there and i um I I wasn't quite expecting that. Um, You know, with uh, Thor Ragnarok, we've seen that um, obviously uh, Chris Hemsworth is a funny dude, but he also showed that Thor can be pretty funny. And with this. I, I don't wanna say he undoes all of his work in uh, Thor Ragnarok, but it, it's one of those things where we're back to taking Thor very seriously and it's uh uh it, it was a it was a really good effective scene I thought um Rocket and Groot accompany Thor to retrieve a weapon capable of killing Thanos there. They and Peter Dinklage create Stormbreaker and uh, an enchanted battle axe uh, that belongs to Beta Ray Bill in the comics, and was spoiled for me by the toys um, again, e- including uh, the uh, uh, the Groot style uh, uh, axe handle uh, there. Um, and, and again, we're we're just at the Casino Planet at this point, uh, but I thought it was rad that uh, Peter Dinklage is portrayed as a dwarf. Except that he's a giant dwarf and I, I like that we're doing like some almost like Lord of the Rings ish type of trick uh, photography and some forced perspective and and things like that. But but since uh, but since I'm still talking about Thor here that 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 reminds me of uh, something that that I've decided I have now I am now super annoyed with with regards to uh, Thor and it's um, you know his eye patch and you know having his eye uh, cut out and all of that other stuff. Um, let me go back a little bit in uh, in the previews and commercials for Thor Ragnarok. There are uh, scenes later in the movie during the climax where after. Thors had his eye cut out that are portrayed where he has both eyes like you know you could see lightning flashing in both of his eyes and things like that. So, you know, there there was obviously some kind of footage manipulation or or computer generated uh, uh stitch witchery or 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 whatever uh which I mean, whatever. But then you get to Infinity War here where There is a scene in the trailers where Thor is like, you know, kind of like holding the iris for the star open and he's getting all cooked and stuff. In that, as he's straining, he has the eye patch in the trailers and commercials. But yet at that point, um, he already has been given that new eye by Rocket. So... Disney is basically they 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 like computer generate a uh, eye where there should be an eye patch, and then they computer generate an eye patch where there should be an eye. You know what? All this tells me is that the entire plot point of Thor losing an eye to begin with is kind of dumb and sort of useless because now Thor is back to having both eyes and and really, I think this is one of those weird examples of Disney doing something on the production side just because they can. And it's, it, it it's weird when when a production company has all of the monies ever they're just like oh, whatever we'll just we'll just you know film it with his eye patch and then change it later who uh, who cares? Meanwhile, Peter Quill, Gamora, Drax, and Mantis find Thanos at nowhere with the Reality Stone already in his possession. Uh, Thanos kidnaps Gamora, his adoptive daughter, who reveals the location of the Soul Stone to. Say- save her captive abductive sister Nebula from torture. Um, and I thought that scene was was pretty wicked where they showed uh, uh, Nebula basically kind of like drawn out into pieces. Like I, I didn't see the movie in 3D, but I would imagine that that sequence and then like the thing where uh, Doctor Strange is getting tortured with like the, the glass shards thing, there's a, there's a handful of things that you can tell in, it was made either for 3D in mind, or at least uh, being enhanced by 3D. But either way, that that was that was brutal. Um, the the way uh, Nebula's torture was portrayed, and it really kind of uh, goes back to a lot of uh, her character motivation from uh, the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. We we understand why why she's so pissed off now because we heard her talk about it before, but now we actually. Uh, had the opportunity to see that torture firsthand. Um, Thanos and Gamora travel to Vormir, a planet where they find <laughs> the red skull, uh, recast obviously, and a, uh, character not seen since the first Captain America movie. Um, I'd say that that's probably one of the most eagerly awaited returns, um, uh, for any character in any of these Marvel movies. um, because, yeah, it, it's been on record for years that Hugo Weaving, who portrayed the Red Skull in Captain America, didn't want to come back to the role. So it was like, well, shoot, you just you just recast somebody. Oh, no, no, no. We, we wouldn't recast that. And and turns out that's all they needed to do. I I don't know the name of the actor. Uh, the the voice was similar, but not Quite, but but it's close enough to the point where it's it's the Red Skull, um, and that I I am surprised that that wasn't spoiled for me, and I was legitimately genuinely surprised. I thought that that was really cool and a really cool time uh, for that character to. Um, Uh, uh, show up and, uh, and to return uh, being the keeper of the soul stone. Um, And uh, he informs Thanos that the stone can only be retrieved by sacrificing someone he loves. Um, Then Thanos reluctantly throws Gamora to her death, granting him the soul stone. And we see um, a little bit of that, that uh, flashback there. Um, And, You know, one thing I I guess I haven't mentioned about the Infinity Stones at this point. I I don't remember in any of the other movies where we're actually referring to... The stones by what they are. So, like, like for example, in Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, we know it's it, it's a purple stone, and the Guardians hold it at the end of the movie as they uh, um, as they defeat Ronan. But I don't believe it's referred to as the uh, as the Power Stone. I don't think that. Um, that the Blue Stone inside the Cosmic Cube, the uh, the Tesseract, is referred to as the Space Stone, until we get to this movie, and then suddenly everybody seems to know the names of all these things it's like oh well you know uh, the, the collector has the reality stone um and and so so i thought that was kind of like a little incongruous um incidentally now i i had mentioned earlier that i didn't really do a whole lot of uh research into this like i i haven't listened to any podcast are talking about this so i just kind of wanted my reactions to be as kind of unfiltered and hot takey as possible but one thing i i uh stumbled across is a and i i'm I'm skipping ahead a little bit um uh, uh, talking about the credits but i remember watching the credits and there was something with a reference to arrested development it's like oh arrested development is a you know copyright of 20th century fox and i was like wait what the hell and i saw some some clickbait article and they're everywhere now and and you know what even though thanos uh uh demands your silence i'm sure there's spoilers all over the place like i was looking for uh, the the trailer i played for you earlier uh, out on youtube i started typing uh infinity war trailer and like you know how youtube autofills it puts uh infinity war spider-man dies and it's like, oh, god damn it. Well, I'm glad I saw the movie on Thursday. Um, and I'm glad I put a spoiler warning um, uh, at some point in this. Uh, uh, so that's not a huge spoiler. But, but um, I, I saw a clickbait article. And basically, I don't remember seeing this. I'd have to uh, see it again. But apparently, uh, a character from uh, Arrested Development, uh, Tobias Funke, is... Uh, it, it, I think he's in Blue Man Group Regalia... Um, in his, uh, uh, never nude cutoff shorts. I think he's supposed to be in one of the cases again. I didn't see it. Um, but that's what the internet tells me. And that, that lines up with what I saw in the credits. So, um, that's gotta be a thing. I'm actually kind of looking forward to uh, seeing that, um, is the collector dead? I don't know. I mean, you 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 see Benicio del Toro for like a quarter minute, but as the the construct from the reality stone vanishes, you see him waving as he's in a in a uh, case. So um, yeah, maybe he did. I don't know. Uh but anyway back to the uh uh the the soul stone and uh the this uh the scene with Gamora and Thanos and here's where I stopped seeing Thanos as a purple cartoon you know as as like you know purple Bruce Willis um he's uh he's actually a character and a genuinely compelling one, um, and Josh Brolin's voice work is so good. Um, uh, apparently, he did uh, motion capture as well, uh, so at least the other actors got to work with him on set and actually like interact with him, which is i I, I think the way you want to go with that. Now, I remember the lead up to this movie where it's like, oh, this isn't an Avengers movie; it's a Thanos movie. Um, uh, going so far as to say that like Thanos is the, uh, main character, even, uh, the protagonist and that the Avengers are kind of set up as the antagonist and it's kind of from his point of view. I don't believe that, um, uh, because we're, we're spending enough time with the other characters and seeing things more from their point of view, uh, than we are with Thanos. I mean, like they're they are chunks and swaths of this movie where, where Thanos isn't anywhere. So, um, I, I, I don't believe that, but your mileage, uh, may, uh, may vary. Uh, Nebula escapes captivity and requests the remaining guardians to meet her on Titan, uh, Thanos's destroyed homeworld. Iron Man and Spider-Man kill Ma by ejecting him from his ship and rescue Doctor. Strange. And of course that's uh, that's the callback to the joke from uh, Spider-Man homecoming um, about this uh, this old movie, you know, the Empire Strikes Back, you know and uh, but this time it's aliens. I thought it was cute. I thought it was a cool callback. Um, I I like that he's learning things from movies, but I'm I'm worried that this is going to be a running joke that's just going to get stale. Um, and uh, and speaking of Spider-Man, I, I know I've uh, I've. In past episodes, I've criticized uh, Spider-Man Homecoming for how powerful the suit is, and basically, like, it's an Iron Man suit made out of fabric and all that, Uh, but that's just the regular costume. Uh, but I actually really liked the Iron Spider uh suit here that that Peter Parker wears, and I like that uh the little things like how uh, uh Peter is surprised uh by the arms as the audience was, and that's straight from the comics. That's a uh, you know like the the Civil War era um uh, Spider Man suit that Tony Stark makes for him. So it kind of kind of ties things together that way in in kind of a a weird backwards kind of sense um but yeah i i liked the look of the costume i i liked the texture to it um it, it it uh it actually looks more like armor, I think, than uh, Tony Stark's Iron Man suit. I hate that suit so much. I mean, because it's it, it um it, it reminds me of like in uh, Transformers Part Four, like the Marky Mark one, where it's the one where you have Transformers that aren't actually transforming anymore. It's just like a bunch of like a uh, uh, swishy computer generated blocks and things like that, and uh. The the Iron Man suit is doing that the entire time, just conjuring extra guns and and, uh, weaponry from out of nowhere. Um, And and where, I mean, it's explained a way that it's nanotech, but I don't understand how later in the movie when, like, whole parts of the armor are getting blasted away and torn away by Thanos, that it just kind of, like, regenerates itself. That that doesn't make sense to me and even if it did i don't like it uh because again it's uh, i i i hate to to dwell on this but it's it, it's making a plot reason for robert downey jr to run around in a track suit rather than in uh chunks of practical armor like he did in the first couple movies i i Anyhow, uh, landing at Titan, uh, they meet Quill, Drax, and Mantis. Doctor Strange uses the Time Stone to view millions of possible futures and states that there is only one in which Thanos loses. Uh, The group forms a plan to confront Thanos and to remove the Infinity Gauntlet. Thanos arrives, justifying his plans to Doctor Strange as necessary to ensure the survival of the universe threatened by over population the group subdues him until nebula deduces that Thanos has indeed killed Gamora. enraged Peter quill retaliates breaking the group's hold on Thanos who overpowers them um, I, I thought that was a pretty cool fight scene too and it, and again what one of the things that I do really like about this is is the combinations you know and you know the mixing and matching it, it's kind of neat to see star Lord uh, bouncing up and down, uh, these, uh, these, uh, you know, kind of, uh, uh, spells that got that Doctor Strange has conjured, or even as they're like jumping in and out of portals. Um, Doctor Strange actually has a lot to do in this movie, and it's, uh, um, and that's pretty cool. Kind of, kind of tries to, uh, validate him, uh, in the uh, MCU, uh, at large. Um, but uh, but eventually, uh, uh, Doctor Strange surrenders the Time Stone in exchange for Thanos sparing an injured Tony Stark, and then Thanos departs for the Earth. And how is Iron Man not dead here? Um, he gets stabbed pretty darn good. I mean, sure, as soon as Thanos left, he, he sprays this uh, gaping wound with some... Uh, but whatever. I mean, I mean, that kind of bugged me. And, and again, I, I hate that armor so much. Um, upon arriving in Wakanda, uh, Steve Rogers reunites with Bucky Barnes and the Avengers task Shuri with extracting the mind stone from the vision. Uh, Thanos's army invades. And the Avengers mount a defense alongside T'Challa and the Wakandan forces, which unfortunately reminds me way too much of the Phantom Menace. Roger, Roger, indeed, you know, with the with the bubbled force field and and it was kind of wicked, though, as like the the demon creatures are like pushing their way through. Um, I, I thought that was kind of like a a, a, uh, a brutal uh, version of uh, of that force field from uh, Star Wars, but um, but uh, Bruce Banner, who is unable to transform into the Hulk at this point, uh, fights in uh, Tony Stark's Hulk Buster armor, which I, I thought I thought that was pretty cool, and I liked how they kind of do this weird uh, role reversal type thing, you know, where you know Banner is in the Hulk Buster suit, and I, I I thought that was cool, and it I, though. I don't understand the entire plot point of Banner not being able to change back into the Hulk. Um, the only thing I can think of is since the Hulk got beat so badly by Thanos earlier in the movie, maybe he's scared, uh, which I, I mean, I guess, but I think like I've already said a handful of times I think it's just so we get more Mark Ruffalo in this movie and less computer generated Hulk. And and it's you know, it's a version of the characters with masks without masks. Uh, And again, we're doing that a whole lot in this movie. Um, But I I thought that would have made for a really cool visual and a really cool awesome payoff if he had indeed turned into the Hulk and kind of like burst out and erupted from uh, from the Hulkbuster armor. Um, In fact, I think I saw a uh, Funko pop that that's basically that. So I don't know if that was something that was going to happen that got scrapped or honestly, I don't even know if that's an official pop or if it was just a a custom job. Um, But that uh, that reminds me uh, one of the most iconic shots from All of the trailers and all of the TV spots is that giant crowd shot. Uh, It's the Wakandan army led by Captain America, uh, Black Panther, Black Widow, Winter Soldier, War Machine, and the Hulk. Yeah, not in the movie. Uh, Likewise, and and I (laughs) I wonder about this also, I mean, that that part where Thanos is... um, giving that speech about you know balancing the universe is not something that that uh that uh, you know makes me makes me happy but you know i have to admit that this puts a smile on my face um that's not in the movie either and come to think of it Am I mistaken, but is is that whole uh, uh quote about like destiny not in there either, you know, where it's like you know, like a uh, uh, run from it, hide from it, but but destiny still arrives. I don't remember when he said that in the final movie. um um and and it's so weird because it it reminds me so much of uh Rogue One. In that, like, you know, there was like so much in the trailers that didn't make it into the movie. And I and I understand that this happens often with these kind of big budget productions, but it's, I don't know, it, it gets to a point where it's misleading. And, you know, uh, coming back to that, that crowd shot, in an early version of that, I want to say like in the first teaser trailer, Captain America doesn't have the uh, Wakandan shields. He's just got his, you know, rolled up sleeves, a uh, uh, tough guy outfit. Then in the later version of the trailer, he's got the Wakandan shields on on his arms. So what that tells me is that at one point that that scene was shot uh, rendered and had completed visual effects, and somebody went through and added more to it. Oh, we have these Captain America shield things now. Let's add that in, um, which which I think was also spoiled by a toy. Um, you know, me personally, I, I I I'm a weirdo about this. You know, I saw the Condon shields and i thought that that was like a red herring it was a misdirect and at some point he was either going to have like the uh uh the the holographic laser shield like he has in uh uh the mark wade run of the captain america comics from like the like the early 2000s um, and i think even uh phil colson has a version of that in agents of shield but either that or just either like the Classic uh, triangular shield that he had in World War Two, or even just his traditional uh, round shield. Either way, I I thought that the Wakanda shields were a misdirect for for some reason that uh, that I can't explain. Um, Thor, Rocket and Groot arrive in Wakanda and rally the defenders. Uh, Midnight Obsidian and Glaive are killed and their army is routed. Thanos arrives, forcing Scarlet Witch to destroy the Mind Stone and the Vision with it. Um, but Thanos undoes her actions with the time stone and retrieves the mind stone from vision, destroying him. Uh, despite being severely wounded by Thor, Thanos activates the now completed infinity gauntlet by snapping his fingers and teleports away, thus making Stormbreaker and that entire side quest to get it a complete waste of time. Now, um, this being Mike Seibert Radio, I can't help but make some kind of reference to Transformers: The Movie during a uh, given podcast. So here's here's your uh, here's your uh, requisite one for this week. Um, when Thanos rips the the Mind Stone out of Vision, he turns gray, <laughs> and first thing I thought, I'm like, you know. Somebody's seen Transformers the movie before, because that's, uh, spoiler alert, what happens to Optimus Prime and a few of the other Autobots, like uh, like uh, Windcharger and Wheeljack, uh, also uh, turn gray when, the, when they die. But um, I thought about this more and more, um, and those aren't the only parallels to Transformers the movie with Avengers Infinity War. One, you have a gray dead robot. Um, you spend an extensive amount of time on a junk planet. Um and uh, going all the way back to the beginning of the movie you start crossing off characters very very early to establish stakes uh all of which uh, Transformers the movie does so um Avengers Infinity War yeah stacks up to Transformers the movie I I approve uh Thanos' plan succeeds with half of all life across the universe uh, disintegrating, including Bucky Barnes, Drax, Groot, Mantis, uh, Scarlet Witch, uh, Spider Man, Peter Quill, Doctor Strange, T'Challa, and uh, Sam Wilson the Falcon. And again, for as much as I rag on Robert Downey Jr. for kind of sleepwalking and phoning it in for most of this movie, that scene with Peter and Tony is heart wrenching. Uh, Tom Holland, I mean, kudos to him. I didn't realize he could could bring this, but he uh, he just sells it so thoroughly. Um, you know, we, you know, and it starts off instantly and it's like, Mr. Stark, Mr. Stark, I, I just feel so good. And, and you already know what's going to happen. Um, but I mean, you know, at the point when he's almost crying saying he doesn't want to go that, uh, that one kind of got me a little bit. Um, and, and that shot of Tony, Uh, from the trailer where he's all messed up, but now we know that that's Peter Parker's ashes uh, caking his hands and face. That's potent stuff. Um, So now uh, uh, Tony Stark and Nebula uh, remain on Titan by themselves marooned uh, while uh, Banner, M'Baku, Okoye, uh, Rhodes, Rocket, Steve Rogers... Uh, black Widow and Thor are left on the Wakandan battlefield. Um, and then uh, the movie ends with a, a healing Thanos as he relaxes on another planet in peace and satisfaction. Fade to black. Uh, the title comes up in a subdued font, and we roll credits over a more somber version of the theme music. And the theater I was in, just sat in stunned silence. Um, and and it was a good few minutes before I even started talking to the folks around me. And of course, you know, a lot of people were leaving also. Now, normally I would uh, judge these folks and pick on them because uh, that, that's my thing. Anytime I see people leaving, um, even before like the house lights come up, my response is, do you even Marvel? Uh, Because uh, um, I I think Marvel has trained us to hang around through the credits, even for movies that uh, sometimes we know don't have stinger scenes in them. Um, So, (laughs) but, but here's the deal. This time, this movie is almost three hours long. And in, um, in our screening, there were a lot of kids there. And a lot of antsy kids. I mean, I I was getting antsy myself in spots. Um, that's a that's a long time to watch a movie, and I I just I I remember um a few different parts in the movie where like we're doing a lot of like the Tony Stark and Peter Parker stuff um on the spaceship, and I just remember like there was this gang of kids that just would not shut up. They were just talking to to each other, and it was one of those weird things where it was. frustrating and annoying but at the same time kind of understandable because these kids are probably bored you know and and that that raises the question who is this movie for um and to expand that who are these movies for um I I don't with with Infinity War in particular I don't know if this is even a great movie to bring kids to it's It's intense, in a lot of spots, and it it cracked me up. Like when we were, um, when we were giving away tickets on uh, on the uh, radio show I worked for, uh, the host pops off and say, "Well, you know, it's Marvel, and the 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 good guys win, right?" And it was, I don't think anybody knew I'd seen the movie already, but it's like. Dude. <laughs> uh that if you're expecting to go to this movie and have like a raucous adventure where like the good guys win at the end and evil is punished, you uh you might want to look uh elsewhere. And and it is such a down ending. It it really is. I mean, you know, half the universe has been destroyed, our heroes have failed, and and evil triumphs. Now, it uh it reminds me, you know of obviously, obviously the Empire strikes back, you know, it's you know the the famous quote from clerks, you know, it ends on such a down note. i I mean, I mean, Luke gets his hand cut off, finds out Vader is father, uh hand gets frozen, take a wipe bubble fed. It ends on such a down note and um and and that's that is the case. But think about what happens after all of that during The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, Luke gets a new robot hand. Um, He's reunited with uh, uh, Leia and the droids. Lando and Chewie are shown uh, getting into the Millennium Falcon, getting ready to go find Han Solo. Um, And it ends kind of like on a note of hope. I mean like the uh I mean the rebels are down, they've been kicked in the teeth, they've had their asses kicked for this entire movie, but when that music swells and you see our heroes looking out in the stars, you know, okay, cool. Things kind of suck now, but they're gonna be okay. Um it's still kind of a a satisfying cliffhanger ending. But it's not just Thanos staring at like a a sunrise, and then we just fade to black because you. I mean, you're not going to ramp up the music at that point because you know it, it doesn't make sense. Um. So I don't know. Like like I said, I mean, I I I didn't necessarily care for the way that it ended, just for that specific reason. Um. It's like I I don't. I, again, I, I still feel kind of bamboozled that, like, um, I I believed people when they said that Infinity War was going to be one movie. Now, the thing is, with, with Avengers 4, we don't know what the title is that hasn't been revealed because apparently the title is a spoiler. So, I, I, I don't know what happens next. I mean... Um, Ant-Man and the Wasp is next. That's coming out in uh, July, I think. I don't know how that's going to go now that literally half the universe has been wiped out, and uh, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, so we, uh, um. So we get a post-credit scene where, you know, Samuel L. Jackson returns as Nick Fury. Um, He uh, transmits a distress signal that he and Maria Hill, among others, uh, start to disintegrate. And it... um it, well, I I don't want to say it cracked me up. That that's kind of like my default. There was there was a there was a kid a couple rows behind me, probably teenager. But like uh, as the post credit scene is playing out, and like there's all these car wrecks and carnage. Um, Maria Hill looks into a crashed SUV and see that there's nobody inside because that person got disintegrated because they were part of the half of the universe that was destroyed. Um, Anyway, he uh, uh even as Maria Hill started to fade away herself, he kept saying, Not Nick too, not Nick too. And and it was I mean, it it was genuine dread from this kid. It was like and and I kinda understand where he's coming from from, from somewhat of a perspective in that, you know. In his mind, they've already taken away so many other characters. Leave Nick Fury alone. Don't take Nick Fury also. And, you know, I, I kind of sympathize with that. But but of course, he does go Um, and, you know, he, he drops his pager. The device uh, displays a star insignia on a red and blue background, which, of course, we now know is the symbol of Captain Marvel. And that is that. Um, again, I liked it. I didn't love it, though. Um, it's bold, you know, le- leaving the ending like that. But I think it's ultimately hollow, um, and and I think maybe just too far the other direction. It's 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 dour, um, and whereas the first Avengers movie, I could watch that all the time, even though you know the the plot is ultimately very straightforward and. Maybe kind of dumb, uh, but it's still very watchable. Uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron. That is a convoluted mess. I've seen that movie once, and maybe I'll watch it again. I don't know. But this, I, 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 I think maybe I want to watch it one more time. But I'm not rushing out. I mean, this is the kind of movie that I should be like, oh my God, this is the culmination of 10 years worth of storytelling. I This is the movie. I need to see this over and over. And I just, I don't feel that way. Just, I mean, possibly just because of the way the third act plays out. Now, after part four comes out next year, maybe I'll feel totally differently. Like, I, I remember... Uh, Years and years ago on uh, uh, 24 on the TV show, Jack Bauer, a- at the end of the first season in the season finale, um, his uh, his wife, Terry, is murdered. And I remember being super pissed at that. I'm like, screw this show. I'm not watching this ever again. And it turned out to be well, I mean, she was an irritating character anyway and turned out to be such kind of like a galvanizing character defining moment for the character of Jack Bauer. It was like, now I can't retroactively imagine what it would have been like had she lived um, uh, as opposed to the way things went. So I I do appreciate that, that maybe with some extra perspective as time goes by again, that's why I wanted to record this now because uh, the, the takes are hot. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I I I can't help but think that very few, if any, of these deaths are going to stick. I mean, I know this is the one where they said, you know what, we mean business this time. This is, you know, we're we're gonna start crossing people off, you know, mostly because contracts are coming due. Um, I, I mean, I I get that there were some great acting moments, uh, like I was just talking about, but it's difficult to take the scale seriously when we're crossing off characters that already have confirmed sequels on the board. As soon as you see Spider-Man and Black Panther evaporate, you know none of these are going to stick. And it's not like you can just pick and choose. It's pretty much all or nothing, right? I mean, you know, uh, you know, half of the universe is... is uh, um, obliterated so you know it's it's like an on and off switch or at least the way i'm looking at it um but i guess you can establish some kind of stakes going forward uh by leaving uh the earlier deaths intact you know prior to thanos snapping his fingers uh with the infinity gauntlet um so that means heimdall loki gamora and vision and you know what that's 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 a good mix, you know. If you say that you you know crossed off a couple characters from a from a few different corners of the universe, I can get behind that. Um, especially Gamora. Um, uh, I mean that that character is great, and I think that that dynamic would completely change things going into Guardians Volume Three. Um, but you know what? Who am I kidding? This is Marvel Town. Um, I, I'm sure there will be some kind of time travel, and everything will be pretty much okay. Um, and still, even now, and I felt this as soon as poor Idris Elba, you know, uh, uh, Heimdall uh, got killed first in 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 the movie. It's like, okay, well, we're not really doing anything significant. I I still think I needed to see either I I needed to see one of the big 3. Uh either Thor, Iron Man or Captain America. Um you could have done it with Tony Stark when he got stabbed with that with that thing um out on the on the junk planet. Uh you could have done Thor a a couple a few different times. Uh but the one that I really think would have I think completely changed my opinion on this in terms of like what true stakes are and it was telegraphed in the trailer it's and it's actually one of my favorite shots in the movie it's when on Wakanda when Thanos shows up he's got the infinity gauntlet and Captain America grabs like his uh (laughs) grabs the fingers like the index and pinky fingers and holds it against it and And uh, kudos to the 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 computer generated wizardry there, because the look on Thanos's face, it's like it's like a combination of contempt and respect. It's like, wait, what? You know, where he's, uh, you know, Steve Rogers is actually kind of able to repel his hand and he's, you know, uh, you know, uh, screaming valiantly and stuff that would have been a great time for thanos to, you know, activate one of the stones and captain america just gets vaporized right there. Um it would have been heart-wrenching. It would have been uh tragic and it would have been memorable and it would have established some goddamn stakes because you know what? I mean, I I talked a lot about captain america's look and all that, but he has almost nothing to do here. He uh he he's there to look cool and give orders. And that's kind of a shame because like um you know Captain America got his third movie, Shanghai by the Rest of the Avengers and Iron Man. I mean I mean Captain America Civil War is not a Captain America movie. It's an Avengers movie. It's you know it's it's avengers 2.5 it's it's iron man 3.5 uh but it's it's not captain america 3 um you can tell who my favorite character is and where my bias lies but but anyway yeah i i was disappointed that he didn't really have much to do um and that's um that's kind of frustrating. Uh, but anyway, uh, let me know what you think. I am at Mike Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, just keep it spoiler-free for now out on social media because, after all, Thanos demands your silence. Uh, but feel free to email me a full spoiler talk. Again, that is MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. All right, before I close out this week, let's get some coming attractions. Here are some exciting coming attractions. i want to let you know that i will be at the swiss in tacoma this friday may 4th uh this show is going to be super rad i uh i haven't made it out to a show uh for uh for a little bit but i am stoked to see my homies limberlost and waking things again live uh together for the first time and to see more from crossing crusades and hundred loud also um it's going to be a great mix with uh with a few different styles of rock you know with uh with Limberlost and Crossing Crusades bringing more of the classic rock vibe along with the more indie bohemian feel from Waking Things. Uh, But uh, a lot of their stuff, you know, gets uh, pretty heavy too, uh, which is definitely what 100 Loud brings. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I will be at this show if you want to show up and say, hey, while you're there, Uh, don't miss Crossing Crusades, Limberlost, Waking Things, and 100 Loud Friday at the Swiss restaurant in... In pub just a few blocks away from the Tacoma Convention Center, home of the Jet City comic show, which I have talked about before. Uh, tickets are eight bucks at the door, and uh, now that I'm on Facebook, I, I get to see cool stuff that I, I uh, um, have missed out on in the past, so I have uh, I found a sick preview video that uh, Casey Berg from 100 Loud uh, put up on Facebook, and I'd like to share that with you here now. Kind of give you a flavor of what you got to look forward to me, yeah. That's funny. Um, I I also want to tell you about some exciting guests I've got coming up in the next few episodes. It's another epic podcast crossover event where I'm going to sit down with the Earth 919 podcast. Uh, Still uh, still ironing out some details, but we'll probably do some uh, cross-promotion, maybe talk a little Potter and Family, music, comics, uh, whatever. That's going to be a lot of fun. And I am going to make the long-awaited visit to the studio's of Crash Bang Boom Productions to talk about local super producer Dave Smith. I'm told by my good buddy Mike Burt from Limberlost that he's got some really fun stories to share with us so I am really looking forward to that. Plus my man Killing Spree has something special he's working on for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom as well as the 25th anniversary of the original Jurassic Park. Um, uh, Depending upon how schedules go we may have to sneak into the KGR R.G. Studios again, and maybe talk about Avengers: Infinity War, and maybe some other stuff uh, between now and then. But um, I just want to sneak in a little, uh, a little uh, a sneak preview there. All that and more in the coming weeks on Mike Seibert Radio. <laughs> And keeping it local, a quick reminder that registration is still open for the Break the Chains 5K happening Saturday, May 19th at the Commons Mall in Federal Way. A Walk or run with us to raise awareness about human trafficking in our community. Handmade signs, strollers, and leashed pets are welcome. Start your own team or join my team to wine or not to wine. We drink. I don't know. <laughs> um, all proceeds benefit Federal Way Coalition Against Trafficking in Partnership with Seattle Against Slavery. Um I also want to mention that next week on my Break the Chains podcast, you know, my uh, uh side project where I interview folks in the community fighting to prevent and end human trafficking, uh sharing their stories and goals. Um I I'm going to talk to a good friend of mine that is a uh, survivor of the sex trade and child sex abuse and uh, uh, and he's a warrior man. Uh, he is uh, by, ne- by his own admission, he is a man at war, and his war is against all who facilitate and traffic children for sex. It's um, it- it's going to be a powerful show, and I'm uh, I- I'm eager to help him share his story. And that will do it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to listen to my past episodes, including my college radio shows on KGRG, subscribe on SoundCloud, Google Play Music, the Stitcher Radio app, and on Apple Podcasts. Like, share, rate, and review the show wherever you find it. And if you do give a review, let me know, and I'll give you a shout-out and read it on the air. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at MikeSybertRadio, and write into that mailbag, MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. Would love to get your feedback on the show. This has been Mike Sybert Radio. My name is Mike, and until next time, you know what to do. Make good choices.